Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. What's up, Bruins fans? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 286. It is brought to you by betonline.ag. Please go to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50 to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So we're back. We're minus one today. Um, Dom Tiano, the amazing Dom Tiano, cannot make it with us uh, because apparently Canada is having a severe uh, internet problem. And, and Dom... Uh, sounds like he's not going to get internet until Monday, I'm hearing. But uh, it's good to hear that some parts of Canada are finally getting back on the grid. Um, but regardless of Dom's absence, and we really wanted him here for this one because we are going to be talking about who the Boston Bruins selected in the 2022 NHL draft from Montreal uh, in rounds two through seven. Um, but to uh, talk about some Bruins news and those draft picks, I have my boy, uh, uh, Kevin O'Keefe with me. Kevin, what's up, my friend? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited. I think um, overall the draft yesterday, I think for where they were picking, what they could do, I think they did a good job. And I know there's people out there who don't think that, but, I mean, let's give these kids a chance five minutes into their uh, Bruins careers, you know, instead of, you know, killing them right off the bat. That's what I see a lot. But, uh, yeah, Dom – um, I, you guys can get on him on Twitter because I offered to pay him for his services to come on here today, uh, because he's using cell phone data and it would eat up a lot of it, but I, I was willing to pay him. So you guys can yell at him. Um, if you'd like, you can find him at Dominic Tiano on Twitter. Just yell at him. It'll be funny. You're going to get so waxed for that. <laughs> I'm oh, telling yeah. you. <laughs> 
All right, but anyway, let's get started with some uh, some Boston Bruins news. Um, recently, um, the uh, Patrice Bergeron contract talks are, are starting to pick up, and that's really good news. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, it remains to be seen what he's going to be asking and what both sides are actually going to be going for. Hopefully, it's going to be a a, a veteran um, you know deal, maybe bonus incentives. Uh, and let's really hope that that happens because. Um, I believe that he's he's still he's still a Boston Bruins through and through. The guy is just an absolute warrior, and in I also I think he wants to do what he needs to for this team to be successful, regardless of if it's going to be next year or not. I, I mean, it's hard for me to look at paper and say this is a Stanley Cup team with or without him. Um, but it remains to be seen where we go from here during this off season for the Boston Bruins to properly put a, a a roster together and it, it, it's going to be challenging and you know if he can come in at a million and and get bonuses that's great and and then we can work on getting some other uh assets or you know um if if the highest free agent right now center is david Krejci and he's available uh for signing then that's somebody else that you have to uh, get under Neath a certain dollar value to make other, um, you know, roster spots and and cap moves work. But what are your thoughts on Bergeron and and the contract talks? Because it sounds good. It does sound good. Um, Sweeney had a press conference that he held after the draft that ended uh, yesterday afternoon, and he seems to be in a spot where he wants to say that Bergeron is coming back and that things are pretty much done but i think he's waiting but it sounds like he's waiting for bergeron to make that announcement himself he's giving him that luxury of being able to uh really make that announcement and that that's that's what i read from sweeney's comments it's almost like he wanted to blur it out like yeah he's coming back and it's going to be a good deal it, it just you could see the smile on his face um, same thing with Krejci. I mean, he said it's a little bit different of a situation, but he's had very positive um, conversations with David Krejci, and ultimately it's up to him and his family and what they want to do. And I hope that both of them come back. I mean, and it's not only for a nostalgia feeling. It's like you said, David Krejci would be the best option available to us when it comes to getting a, a guy to come in and play at 2C and with our cap situation. Um, so in, in moving forward into the, uh, July 13th, um, free agency window that's coming up, um, he did comment on it. He said that, um, moves would have to, you know, he want he's looking to possibly make some moves here over the next few days. Um, but if that doesn't happen, don't freak out. He also mentioned, you know, we do have LTIR and we can use it, but we have to make sure that we have things in place as Mark has alluded to so many times to make sure that the money can work moving forward. Cause you don't want to just be trying to dump guys when guys are ready to come back. That never works out well in the end. So Sweeney's well aware that he has money to work with if they want to make a splash in free agency, but he, he also knows that he needs to make sure that there are plans and avenues to make the money work. Yeah, absolutely. And and going back on the David Krejci talk from one of my sources, a very good one, is that David Krejci has been over in the United States. Uh, he does have, own a home in South Carolina, North Carolina, somewhere in the Carolinas. I'm not sure exactly where. 
Um, but he's, um, I think uh, that person said that uh, he's going to be in Boston for the next couple of days as free agency comes uh, on August 13th. So uh, in-person meetings are going to happen and, and we'll go from there on if he's actually going to come back too as well. Um, Mark, moving on. Yes, sir. Did, did you see the photo of Krejci's son reaching up and trying to touch the Bobby Orr statue in front of the garden? I did not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Krejci so took that a photo was, of his son. That was recent. Yeah. That was recent, right? Yeah. Yep, he's so here. So it's confirmed. He's in Boston. Yep. He's <laughs> I here. love it. Um, moving on to another contract talks that's very important to this uh, this organization. Not saying that Patrice Bergeron has no importance at all. But David Pasternak talks have now started to really heat up as we get closer to the July 13th free agency day. Um, let's just jump right in and just say Philip Forsberg is staying in Nashville. He's got an eight-year deal, eight point whatever million dollars, eight point five, five, yep, eight point five million dollars. So let's use that as a comparable. Is that something that you can see, Kevin, that the Boston Bruins work with David Krejci on, or are you seeing a little higher? I think I see it a little higher, and that's just because I think um, when it comes down to player comparison, they're a little bit different. But, you know, Pasternak is a guy who can put up 40, 50 goals in a season, uh, maybe even more. He, he could hit 60, in my opinion. But um, so he might be a little bit higher. I think, But I do think the highest David goes is that 9 million mark. I don't think he goes over it. I think he understands that. He's a, he's at his happy his happiest times with this team when they're winning and when they are um, looking to win a Stanley Cup. He wants to win a Stanley Cup. That's what he's in the NHL for for his love of the game and wanting to be able to compete and win at the highest level possible. It's never been about the money for him, um, as he said many times. Um, going back to the con the, the six year contract he signed at, I think it was like six point six or something like that. Uh, whatever it was, he could have made more. He said, I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd be making this amount of money playing in the NHL. So I'm very happy today. And then turned around, went out and bought a $15 Chinese food meal to celebrate. Uh, the guy, he knows how to he knows how to control his money and not live outside his means. So I, I could totally see him taking a deal between 8.5 and that $9 million mark. Will that happen? That's to be seen. But um, Don Sweeney did have good conversations with Pasternak's camp over the past two days at the draft. And now they're going to be taking that back to David. And I'm sure the second July 13 hits, they're really going to start hammering this thing out. I wouldn't be surprised if a deal was done before the end of August. That's awesome. That'd be uh, really good to, you know, the sooner the better because you still have to put a lineup together and it doesn't take uh, a matter of days to do that. It takes uh, a great amount of due diligence to put an NHL competitive line together. So um, obviously, hopefully both of those players come back. They, they you know, they're two uh, uh, important pieces to what, you know, the forward movement of this organization is going into next season. So, um, you know, it, it's it, it, you just can't. It's hard for me to like grasp it when so many people are believing in what happened like a month ago when something was said about the Don Sweeney thing and so on, and he's not coming back if Sweeney's retained. Um, it's 
you're looking outside the organization. Kevin and I aren't even close to being in the walls of what's going on on a regular basis in that organization. Nobody really knows anything. So it's it's really it's so easy to like throw a narrative out there and have so many people grasp onto it because, you know, you've been a writer in Boston for a very long time. So um, that's not the case. It's just, you know, he's happy here. He wants to work here. And, you know, and being around so many great people in the locker room, Marshan Bergeron and, you know, McAvoy and, and all these like really good pieces it is important, you know, cause these guys are friends, they're family. And it means a lot to, to stick around and, and accomplish goals um, with a group like that. I, you know, it's hard for me to see a player like David Pasenak anywhere else because, you know, it's, you know, he was, he was drafted here and, and developed here and, and look what we got. We have a consistent 40 goal scorer and I don't want to see that ever be uh, missing out of our lineup. Absolutely. 100% agree. All right. The, um, we'll touch on uh, free agency just a little bit. Um, it, I, it's it's going to be really hard for me to like really think about who's available. Um, obviously, uh, uh, Forsberg in Nashville, that deal is done. So take him off the book, off the uh, off the uh, ranks of um, of him. You know, testing free agency and so on. Um, you know, the Vinny Trocheck always gets brought up. Uh, I mean, he's a kind of a, a prolific. Uh, Bruins type of player and can play the uh, the two uh, C role, but other than that, it's it's really hard for me to look at what's available and say that that's an automatic fit. And also, it's just the the, the cap space for me. It, it's got to work. And from what I've seen so far on Cap Friendly and Puckpedia, my two favorite capologist uh, websites, is that we have like a little over two million dollars to work with, and it's not really much when you're considering the contracts of Bergeron and Pasternak and so on, even though Pasternak's deal is effective next season. Um, you know, it's it, the money's got to work. And and I'm just trying to put the pieces together, and it's really hard for me to do that. Um, but I really see that – I really see this Boston Bruins team needing to, to, to cut some fat. Uh, obviously, Curtis Lazar is not coming back. What are we doing with Nick Foligno? I know they're not good. They don't want to explore the bio. I've heard they don't want to explore the bio, but I would really highly consider it because you need the roster spot and that cap space. Every little cap space matters when you're trying to move forward in a situation like this. So I, I really don't know what is going to happen in free agency because it, I'm not a Don Sweeney hater. You're not either, but sometimes it, it makes us wonder, like we do do the, the head shakes and kind of like, huh? You know, but, that's just us. We're not going to freak out and jump off the cliff because uh, a certain move was made or a certain move wasn't made, but more or less I'm, we're intrigued on what direction he's going to be pulling this, this organization in and to get those complimentary pieces in free agency, it's going to be a challenge. So it's very hard for me to like put everything together and really manifest a list of, of players that I believe can come here. And more or less, it's because my computer is fucked up and I, I don't have cash currently <laughs> a Parpedia up. So I'm just going to be honest, all right? <laughs> well, I mean, when you look at their situation, it, it is a unique one. And like you said, we're not Don Sweeney haters, but we do and are able to point out when Sweeney does something incorrect or it's something that we would have rather have seen him not do. But – on the other hand, we also can praise him for the good decisions he does make. And you've got to be able to 
find that gray area. The black and white thinking on this guy is is gross, in my opinion. And that goes for people who are complete Sweeney apologists and people who are complete Sweeney haters. There's got to be a gray area. That's where Mark and I lay is in that gray area. I think that's with every player on this roster. Um, like I, I was that way with Coach Cassidy uh, leading up to I remember a few. I think it was um, at the end of the Islanders series. I remember saying to one of my buddies, I said to him, I said, uh, Bruce Cassidy is going to be on a very short leash moving forward because the way he went about the end of the season there and the way he went about the playoffs, especially against the Islanders, I don't like what I saw. Um, now, that's not me saying I believe he deserved to be fired because I don't think that. I think he at least deserved this year to see what he could do. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it was the right move, but I can't really say that for sure until I see what Montgomery does. I'm happy they brought in Montgomery. It's just, you got to live in the gray areas, what I'm trying to get at and be able to objectively see things for what they are when it comes to, um, the whole situation with the cap. I mean, Sweeney put himself in this situation by signing all these guys. I mean, at the time it seemed to me like the perfect thing to do because we needed that bottom six help. But when Krejci walked, that then kind of messed that whole image up. It, it really did. And to me, now he's got to be able to figure out how to clean up that mess and figure out a way to give this team an opportunity to win. Cause I believe that's what the route they're going. I think he wants to be able to infuse new talent, um, not not new talent, uh, young young kids from our from our um, uh, you know in the area that we have. But I don't know how he's going to do that. He's he talks about a kid like um, uh, Kapanen being possibly ready to make the leap. Um, Will that happen? I don't know, but you got Studnika, you got guys like that, now Steen, you know, guys that I'm sure he wants to infuse in. So I'm hoping at some point we're able to really see what we have in some of these kids and if they're able to do anything. I feel like a lot of the cap space he will end up kind of opening up for us could be used at the deadline if needed. But um, I don't know what he's going to do during free agency. I don't know if there's a center available that I'm willing to take a chance on or throw money at. Definitely not Kadri. I'm, I'm sick of that one. That's not going to a not going to happen, and B wouldn't make sense for this team. He's th- if you hated the Bacchus deal, you are really going to hate the Kadri deal. So let's pump the brakes there. Let's pump oh, the think, brakes on that one. I think I think the narrative between the Kadri de- a potential Kadri deal and the Bacchus deal was. Offensive production. Obviously, Cadres have had a career year in Colorado, won the Stanley Cup, and so on. So that's going to boast any NHL team to like really uh, go for you know those it it's contract year mentalities. We we, we did it mm-hmm. with um the guy from Anaheim, Matt Bolesky, Bolesky and yep. it just came out to be a real bust of a of a deal trade, whatever, or a free agent signing. So um, yeah, I don't know. I like Kadri because he's he's got that offensive explosion and and he can be that that real pest, that type of um, of uh, Brad Marchand type of player. But I totally get what you're going through uh, with the uh, the cap situation and so on. I mean, he's he's he could get 10, 11 million uh, on the open market with a with a team that's got available space. I just don't see how that um, cap 
can be worked in Boston and, and that roster spot be available. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm kind of out on the whole Kadri thing. It's going to be interesting to see what he can get on the open market. Between 8 and 10, I think, is where he'll land. Even if it's at 8, though, I still don't want him. But he's also on the other side of 30, too, which is scary for uh, a team that's going to, like, I mean, he wants, I think he said he'd like to get upwards of $8 million. I'm not sure on the term. But if you're going 8 for 8, I think that's a crazy deal. Yeah, and there's no way that Colorado is going to be able to do that. I don't know who's going to get him, but I can't wait to see how that mess unfolds because he's going to be 32 when the season starts, Mark. 32 years old. I I, I could see him maybe getting a six-year deal around 8.5 at this point. And, oh, my God, if if I'm a team doing that, I mean, he's going to fall off a cliff. He is. He's going to fall off a cliff at some point because he does play the game hard. You know, he plays the game similar to a Bacchus type of guy. He plays the game like that. Um, So I could totally see him falling off a cliff year two or three of this deal, and it it could look really bad for a team. And I really hope it's not the Bruins, even though I know there's Bruins fans out there who really want him. But look at the overall statistics of this guy. He's he's pretty much a 50-point scorer. This year is an anomaly. I mean, do you want to pay for an anomaly? I don't. I, I don't think that would be a good decision for Don Sweeney. And if he de- if he did it and then Kadri comes and puts up 50 points, 60 points, and he's making $8.59 million, you guys can be coming at his throat. Yeah, exactly. But nobody will come at nobody's throat on this Black and Gold Hockey podcast if you go and check out Bruce Sullivan at Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia because he has got some amazing stuff. Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics. And uh, I'm missing one, the Patriots. You know, you can go and get some hand-signed items and spice up the fan cave. Get the black and gold stuff. Trust me, folks. Jerseys for under $100, hand-signed by your current or an uh, aluminum (laughs) alumni player um, can be all yours for your fan cave. So let's hear from Bruce, and we'll talk on the other side. Bruins fans, this is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. On July 10th, be sure to stop by our booth at the Cardboard Promotion Show at the Holiday Inn in Dedham, Massachusetts to check out our dozens of hand-signed Bruins memorabilia. On July 5th, we hosted Bruins legend and Hockey Hall of Famer Johnny Busick to a private signing. Score with Busick Pucks. For 34, photos for 29, or JSA authenticated black, white, or gold jerseys for just $79. On July 20th, we will be hosting Bruins legend and Hockey Hall of Famer Cam Neely. Pre-order your JSA authenticated 8x10 for 55, puck for 59, mini helmet for 109, or jersey for 139. On May 23rd, we hosted Bruins legend 19-time All-Star Raymond Bork. We have Bork jerseys starting at just 139, photos starting at 59, and pucks for 65. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! 
All right, Beast fans, we're back. We just heard from the amazing Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Awesome stuff. Follow the Facebook page, like and share, and you could win some free stuff yourself. And uh, Bruce is a great guy. He, and uh, he's got an email address that you can contact him and see what he has for inventory. And uh, get ready for the upcoming season. Black and gold throughout the house, folks. I highly recommend it. All right, we are back talking bees. Why don't we just jump right in here and talk about Jake DeBrusque rescinding his trade request and how interesting the timing is now that Bruce Cassidy is gone and Jake DeBrusque has now said that he wants to be a, a part of this team moving forward with new coach Jim Montgomery. Obviously, Jim Montgomery is the type of coach that uh, gets gets the uh, the attention of younger players and so on. And I think that's something that Jake needed uh, and didn't get from Bruce. There was a might have been a little bit of little bit of sandpaper there in between those two folks uh and and, and understandably so it, it, i do it in the workplace there's people i i work with that i rather not be around and and it happens in professional sports too everybody's a human being here nobody's better than anybody else but moving forward jake debrus seems kind of happy how how are you happy kevin on the uh rescinded news of jake debrus trade request i think it's great for this team i mean i know there's Bruins. i know bruins fans out there aren't there's Bruins fans out there who aren't huge Jake DeBrusque fans. I mean, I find myself in that category at times because he will disappear on you for half the season and then come out and be like, oh, my God, where the heck was that? So I understand, you know, people's feelings on DeBrusque, you know, but I am, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, in that gray area. I can look at the areas where DeBrusque needs to improve, where he needs to do, get his head in the game. Um, at certain points, and I'm hoping a new coach will help that. Um, and if it does, if he can work well with Montgomery and he's put into a position where he can succeed, this might turn into currently one of the best deals in the NHL. Jake DeBrusque at $4 million for the next two years could end up being one of the best deals that any team has because if this kid – can play as strong as he does in the latter half of the season every year. If he can play that full season, I could see him hitting high thirties, low forties in goal in goal totals. He's that good when he wants to be. Um, and I, I hope that we see that it won't be a full year with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron, but once Brad Marchand comes back, I Truly believe you put that line back together of Marchand, Bergeron, and um, De- and Jake DeBrusque, and see what you got there. And then in the in the beginning of the season, while you're waiting for Marchand to come back, you have DeBrusque, Bergeron, Pasternak as that top fixture line. Um, I think you can get the best out of this kid, and I think you need it. Um, and I believe you wanted to talk a little bit about Craig Smith. Um, I think you yeah. had something to say on him. If Jake DeBrus can do this for you and be a consistent right winger on this team for the next two years, I think you can. I'm sure this is where you were probably going to go with this. I, I'm pretty sure you could shed the salary of a guy like a Craig Smith at that point, especially if Steen is able to come out and be that guy who can play on that third line with good compete. Um, what are your thoughts on that? 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm totally on board with moving Craig Smith. Um, and I should have talked about that on the, uh, on the free agency and, and obviously when, what the Bruins need to do to free up cap space. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jake DeBrus to me is going to be heavily relied on on the left side with, with Brad Marchand not being with the, with the team for the first month or two, whatever, because he, uh, he's got uh, hip, in, hip issues that he needs to recover from. Um, so I believe Jake's going to go back to his natural position on the left side where, where Marchand was. And like I said, he, he's going to be heavily leaned on by Jim Montgomery to be that offensive threat on the first line for that small period of time. And, and it's going to be important for Jake to really gain consistency at that point because that's just a motivator for anybody. You do really good for a month or two while somebody's out and then the band gets back together. You're already 10 steps ahead on that line from everybody else. So it, it just makes total sense uh, for him to really pick up and have a solid year. The consistency thing for him is the biggest word that you said, Kevin, and that's the one I want to touch on. If he could be consistent, yes, I could see him being a, a 30 goal scorer, 50 assist type of guy, 80 points. You know, that's really not that bad uh, out of a full 82 uh, campaign. Um, the Craig Smith thing is just, you know, for me, he's too inconsistent. Uh, and I just think that he's got one more year to go. I would entertain trying to move him at this point for anything. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to get any significance back, whether it be a package, who knows, but the roster spot and the cap hit we need. Um, and also I do want to touch on this too, just because Jake DeBrus rescinded his trade request does not mean he's not getting traded. That's $4 million this upcoming season that the Boston Bruins could also use to address a certain need in free agency. Now, if that free agent list on the left side, right side, wherever you want to address, even the 2C, if we're not getting Krejci back at a at a cap-friendly price, those numbers need to jive together. And I hate to say it, but Jake DeBrus 4 million is needed to free up cap. So this this is what we're talking about with the whole challenge that Don Sweeney's going to have to go through this offseason. And it's not an easy one. Everybody thinks his job's easy. It's not easy at all. So, you know, I, I just... For me, I just want guys that are performing on a consistent basis or somewhat. And I just see Craig Smith tailing off the last two years. Uh, you know, good locker room guy, you know, this and that. You could plug and play wherever he wants. But his offense, his offensive numbers need to be uh, picked up, in my opinion, for a guy that absolutely shoots so much. Right. No, I agree. I mean, I'd like to see him in that 40 40- – 4250 you know area when it comes to his point totals i think that's something that he easily could succeed on um playing in a bottom six role uh, especially with a guy like charlie coyle who can consistently hit that 40 to 50 point mark um you know it, it, for me i mean we both know with him away from the puck playing his 200 foot game he's solid there we both know that. But when it comes to his offensive game, I completely agree. He does. And that was even when he was playing with Hall and Krejci. A lot of people praise that Hall-Krejci-Smith line, but Smith was very inconsistent on that line. But at the time, he did play his best hockey with Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marsh, and Brad Marchand. That's one of the things that I always judge Cassidy on at the end of that season was – 
you made the decision to take Craig Smith out of a situation that was giving him his best offensive capabilities, a true test. He had eight points in six games. And the second they got Taylor Hall, they took Pasternak and put him, he put him right back up on that line. And I said to myself, if you did a Hall, Krejci, Pasternak line, and then you kept Craig Smith in an area where he is excelling, that team could have had a lot more offensive output coming down the stretch and then into the playoffs. And that's one area that I always looked at mirrored with him not understanding that you don't have your fourth liners out there with a minute and 30 seconds left in a uh, game where you were about to lose and be eliminated from the playoffs. Um, Those were just the two things that had me kind of just really scratching my head on Sweeney at the end of that season. And, um, it made no sense to I'm not Sweeney, sorry, Cassidy. And it made no sense to me. But uh Jake DeBrusque, um, you're right. He's gonna have to step up and be that offensive player that we need him to be, so we can feel comfortable about moving a guy like Craig Smith. And it's not because Craig Smith is an offensive dynamo, it's because opening up cap space would be great. And then Jake DeBrusque, if you were to trade him, yeah, you get four million back. But my question is for you is now that leaves another hole as well doing that. So where would you go on that right side if you were to trade a guy like Jake DeBrusque? If, you, if you're going internally and, and it's not the best option for me is Jack Sudnika. I mean, that's that's the only thing that I could say right now. Um, you could – and, I mean, it's a little less of skill, but you could also add Oscar Steen in there as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't see, I honestly don't project Steen to be a, a top six guy for this Boston Bruins organization. I could definitely be wrong. I could definitely be wrong. He could be doing different things this summer uh, because he's going to have to work hard. He's going to have to grind his ass off this summer and prove that he wants to stay in this, in this NHL lineup um, in camp and at the, and um, at the start of the year. And if he doesn't hack it, unfortunately, it's the waiver process for him. And I don't believe right. that he'll stay on that wave of wire much, very long. I think a player like Agreed. him would thrive somewhere else where they have space and they have the, you know, the NHL roster spot for him to be a, a, a consecutive, you know, uh, NHL player. Here mm-hmm. in Boston, it's always a grind because we always get in the clock blocking um, veterans, the Felinos yeah. that are always <laughs> just like there, like, oh, yeah, we have a feeling about this prospect. Yeah, I think we're gonna. I think he's gonna make it. And then, nope, no, we're signing a veteran. And and now yep. you're bottlenecking all your prospects from from yep. creating a roster spot. So it's it's tough for me on how this Boston Bruins organization operates sometimes when the uh, you know the zigs and the zags. It's just you know let's just get it right and you know properly developing players. It's also getting them into the NHL and letting them have some time. I'm glad you brought that up because I do want to say this quickly. A lot of people out there talk about how Bruce Cassidy wasn't good with the younger kids, didn't allow them to have their time in the the sun and get out there and really show what their worth could be at the NHL level. I want to put this out there. That is not a Cassidy problem. That had nothing to do with him as a coach and what he wanted to do. It has everything to do with the front office and consistently throwing veterans at him to take the spots of these young kids. You've got to remember he was the head coach of the Providence Bruins 
And he was successful at it. He worked with these younger kids to say that he can't work with younger kids is asked backwards, in my opinion, when he was doing that. And it's the same thing with Montgomery. I see a lot of people saying, oh, he's going to be really great with the younger kids. He's only going to be great with the younger kids if the front office allows him to do it. Interesting. I like that. All right. Um, Why don't we take our mid-show break? We'll hear from our show sponsor, betonline.ag. There's a lot of uh, big sports coming up this summer. Yeah, baseball, uh, football futures, hockey futures, so many things to bet on. Um, but uh, let's hear me talk about betonline.ag, and uh, we'll talk about development camp uh, next and uh, jump right into some draft talk and who the Boston Bruins selected in the 2022 NHL draft from the beautiful city of Montreal, Canada. So we'll be back and talk on the other side. Our partners at betonline.ag continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and developments, including next year's NBA and NHL futures, PGA Tour golf, Major League Baseball scores, and all the latest fighting news and even next season's early NFL futures. BetOnline.ag is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and so much more. Head over to the betonline.ag website or use your mobile device to sign up for a free account and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first cash deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to get the bonus and get in on the action. Betonline.ag, it's where the game starts. Hey, Bruins fans, we just heard from show sponsor, betonline.ag. Please go there and use that code CLNS50 because it really does a great service for us and helps pay the bills of our small sports media company. Uh, we're back talking bees, and uh, why don't we just jump right in? Like I said before the break, development camp starts uh, Monday, July 10th, and it goes right to Friday the 15th. I believe that this is the first uh, five-day development camp that since this annual uh the annual festivities uh have been happening uh it's definitely my first time going to a five-day camp um and and really honored uh to be uh credentialed media members for the the five days in boston at the warrior ice arena so many thanks to the bruins pr staff for allowing myself uh full credentials uh with with player interviews along with uh black and gold productions uh teammate uh, Mike Sullivan and Ryan Duffy. So all three of us will be there all week uh, getting some uh, some audio, some video, some interviews from folks in the stands, uh, interviews from podcasts um, around Boston. So it's going to be a lot of fun and we're going to create a lot of content. Uh, I am staying in Alston. I rented a suite. Uh, so I'm going to be there for all five days and close by. So I can't wait to hang out with my boy downtown Boosie and uh, and, and do a bunch of just Bruins content with uh, a fantastic teammates at Black and Gold. So really looking forward to that. Uh, but the uh, unfortunate thing about development camp is you you hear uh, certain things about players that you really want to interview and talk to, and you're not going to be able to. So unfortunately, 
I, I am not going to be able to see uh, Mason Lowry and talk to him for the first time or um, Fabian Lysel uh, because uh, both of these players were not um, were at development camp, but I wasn't there last year. Uh, but Lowry uh, is recovering from a, a an injury. Um, Kevin, if you happen to know the injury, I, I don't have it on top of my head. I actually do not have that. I may be able to pull it up while you're talking, though. Okay, but he's he's expected to be at development camp for the uh, the festivities anyway. But um, I don't believe the on ice um, sessions he'll be available. Uh, Fabian Lysel, the twenty twenty one first round pick of the Boston Bruins, uh, recently played with the WHL Vancouver Giants and had a fantastic season. Is not going to uh, be at development camp as well. Uh, he is. He is uh, participating for Tim's team Sweden in the, um, uh, I think the World Juniors. Yeah, the IHF World Junior Championship. Yep. So he will not be there for that, as he's going to be participating um, in his country's um, games that got postponed from from uh, mid mid season this year to uh, a summer um, tournament. So, uh, do you happen to have the uh, low right injury report? Yep, he's recovering from a knee procedure. Okay. Yeah, so like I said, he'll probably be there anyway to get the pro experience again like he did last year and so on, but non, not on the ice um, for the sessions. Um, we might as well just jump right into uh, some draft talk, right? Because uh, this is basically what why we're here. Um, unless you had something else you wanted to talk about, Kev. I just have one thing real quick because I've seen this narrative going around social media that um, Jim Montgomery is not able to choose his own coaching staff because of a comment made by Sweeney about how he anticipates um, guys like Chris Kelly and Joe Sacco and Bob Asenza, um, you know, being back with the team. A lot of fans have taken that as um, that Montgomery should be able to make these choices himself. I want to make this clear. There's no Sweeney was not saying that Montgomery does not have the choice to do that. He is just with what he is hearing. He is telling you what he anticipates. I want to put that out there because I see a lot of misinformation going around about that. Um, I'm sure that uh, coach Montgomery will be sitting down with these guys and deciding whether or not he wants them to continue on, which it just seems like he will want them to, to continue on while he he himself interviews other people to join the staff in place of other um, areas that were uh, left vacant. So I just want to yeah. put that out there real fast. Yeah, as of right now, I mean, it, it's it's assumed that Chris Kelly and Joe Sacco will still have their jobs, but um, – Jim Montgomery is in charge of, of hiring his assistant, which would technically be the Kevin Dean replacement if, it, if he was on a Bruce Cassidy staff. So all due diligence here, folks, when you're trying to, you know, hire uh, bench bosses and assistants and, and associates, whatever you want to call it. So uh, it should be interesting who the final candidate is. And, you know, and if, if, if it's not our guy and, and, it's, and he wants his own staff, then that's up to him. It's not a, it's not a, you know, a knock on Kelly or Sacco and what they've done in their time here. You know, obviously Kelly's going to, Kelly's probably going to garner a lot of argument because he was a former Bruin, the Stanley cup champion, but you know, mm-hmm. and Sacco and Sacco, you know, had, had, had one game or, or two games under his, under his belt 
uh, last season because of COVID and everybody thought that he should be the uh, new head coach. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. It's just, I'm not worried about the staff and, and who's doing the talking. I, I want to see the product on the ice and how it's conveyed, the messages conveyed to them and, and to see what happens. I mean, it's going to be a challenging year. We're not going to have a lot of our, our key members in this lineup to start the season. And, and I think that that, for me, it's intriguing to see that right now and see how, how Jim Montgomery orchestrates that loss and who he places on that lineup to try to salvage as many points as you can for the first month and a half, two months. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about the 2022 NHL draft. It was held in Montreal on Friday, the 7th. And I'm sorry, the Thursday, the 7th was round one. Bruins did not have a pick in round one. That first round selection went to Anaheim in the Hampus Lindholm deal. So the Bruins primarily operated in rounds two through seven. So let's talk about those picks. With the second round at number 54, the Boston Bruins select Matthew Portress, and he is a 5'11", 176-pound right shooting center. He's a Canada native, uh, so everybody up in America's hat is probably happy that we got somebody from Canada, and he's not an NCAA prospect. Uh, he is 18 years old. He had 21 goals, 29 assists, 50 points for Guelph Storm of the OHL last season. Our friend Brock Otten mentions, uh, and he's from McKean's, Hopefully you guys uh, liked and listened to um, last week's uh, program when we did have McKean's uh, scouting director, Brock Otten, on. That was a great episode, um, and he was a fantastic guest. So, uh, But Brock mentions he's a, um, a, a solid, versatile player for Guelph last year uh, and played center and the wing. Um, plays both power play and penalty kill, aggressive on the forecheck and drives the net, which is, key, uh, which is good to hear. Solid skills away from the puck. Uh, great stick and strong awareness. Needs to work on skating, but edge work and agility are solid. And uh, intelligent playmaker and finisher. And that's from Brock Otten from McKean's scouting firm. So uh, what are your thoughts on this selection, um, Kevin? So I've actually been following this player over the past week. Um, actually, since we talked with Brock, we didn't get into talking about Matthew Poitou, um, but he was one of the players that I ended up looking into myself after we had the conversation and after watching um, a lot of tape on him, a lot of, um, you know, ins and outs of his game, a lot of interviews to get an understanding of his character. I think this is a fantastic pick for the Boston Bruins. I mean, he was picked 12th overall, the 2020 OHL priority selection. Um, and he went to the Guelph storm. His see his rookie season, what would have been was wiped out by COVID. So this past season where he had the points that were mentioned here by Mark was technically his rookie season. And I believe he finished seventh, overall in rookie scoring. Um, I believe that's the number. I didn't write it down, but I believe that was the number. But yeah, he's a two-way player. He's a hard worker at both ends of the ice. He has good awareness. Um, he's not the biggest player, and plenty of Bruins fans have already gone ahead to point that out to us. But uh, he is very steady on his edges, and he is able to absorb hits because he does have a good lower center of uh, gravi gravity that he's able to absorb these hits. He's got good wall work. Um, I, I like what I see there. Um, his positioning 
and his awareness in all ends allows him to intercept plays, break up plays, use the stick well to get the puck moving the other way. Um, at the offensive side, I mean, um, he his hockey IQ is one of his biggest strengths, one of his biggest attributes. Um, he's able to use his playmaking abilities to create high danger chances. He's a good. He's got a good first pass mentality, which is something that um, I've seen in a lot of his highlights that I've been able to see. Um, his his playmaking abilities are his bread and butter, but as a fast um, as a pass first player, but he's also has the ability to score. He does have a pretty good shot. He doesn't use it as much. He only had about 159 shots last season for Guelph, but he did have 20 goals. So maybe he shoots. Maybe if he starts shooting a little bit more, um, his goal scoring can get a little bit better. Um, he does make smart plays. He's um, he's good with the puck. He can puck handle very well. He's got good puck control. Um, I'd say he's an average to good skater. Um, he's elusive and does have those great edges that I was talking about. He's not the fastest, but he does have good foot speed. And I myself do expect his speed to get better as he continues to develop at the OHL level because he will be back there for sure. He's not going to be going straight to the AHL or straight into the NHL lineup. This is what he's going to be doing. Um, his explosiveness is an area that he himself said that he is challenged at, but it doesn't really hurt his game because his patience and an IQ allows him to make smart plays to avoid getting caught on a break. So I think that's good. He's able to, you know, he's not going to be the guy who's leading out a breakout, like a Taylor Hall type of player, but he is going to be that guy who may draw some players to him to create that first pass, to create that breakout and then jump up on the play. So that's one thing that you could see with uh, Poitois. Um, but my overall um, projection for this player, um, I'd say at the low end, he could be a third-line winger in the NHL. High-end projection would be a second-line center. I don't see him being a first-line type of guy, more of a middle-six type of guy. But if he can hit that high end of a 2C, that's a need the Bruins um, have. And um, like I said, this player – did lose a very valuable year of development in the OHL when that season was lost. So I would not be surprised if you see a huge jump in this player's uh, play this upcoming season for Guelph and um, that a lot of teams start thinking to themselves like, hey, maybe we should have taken this kid in the, you know, latter half of the first or the uh, back or the or the beginning of the second round. Well said, Kev. Nice freaking video scouting and, and reading up and taking <laughs> notes. Good for you, buddy. All right. With the uh, uh, the Boston Bruins did have a third-round pick, but they traded it to the um, Seattle Kraken to get picks um, 117 and 119, I believe. Well, 132. 117 and 132. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. so they made those deals. So in this particular pick, the fourth round at 117, the Boston Bruins select center Cole Spicer. He is 5'10, 176 pounds. He shoots left. He's a U.S. native. The 18-year-old had 20 goals, 19 assists, 39 points last season for the U.S. national under 18 team in 58 games. Cole also played for the U.S. national 
team development program in the USHL last season, posting 10 goals, six to six, six assists, 16 points in 26 games played. He's committed to play for the University of Minnesota Duluth for the 22-23 season. And our friend Brock Otten mentions from McKean's uh, solid middle six forward, quick feet and quick thinking, ability to create time and space with his hands in traffic, needs to improve on quickness, strength, two-way awareness, and intensity. Your thoughts on Cole Spicer? Yeah, so he is um, he is going to be playing with uh, Minnesota Duluth uh, University coming up. Um, I think he's going to see a lot of growth in his play uh, playing there, but he's, he's a two-way player. He's pretty good in his own end. He goes to the dirty areas. Uh, that's where he makes a living offensively. Uh, he's not afraid to show his gritty side and work hard in all areas of the ice. He has a quality shot uh, that he likes to use in the slot, and he likes to clean up rebounds a lot. Kind of reminds me of an Eric Halla type of player. Um, he's got a good hockey IQ. He's a versatile player. He can play both the wing or center. Um, he's a pretty good skater. He's got pretty good acceleration, decent speed. Um, I think his skating will get better as he continues his path towards the professional leagues. Um, I'd say my low-end projection for him would be a fourth-line winger, um, high-end, maybe a third-line center. I think he's that type of guy that you'd see on like a Tampa team coming into a bottom-six role and really flourishing. When I look at those Tampa teams, those bottom-six guys, uh, almost – he kind of reminds me almost of like a Blake Coleman, to be honest. Um, you know, he's got that gritty side. He can also get in on it um, offensively. Um, he actually, I believe he was playing with Cooley, the third overall selection for, um, for um, the Coyotes. Yep. So I, I like the player. I think it's a good pick. I think he could end up being a good bottom six guy for this team. Um, it seems he has a good work ethic. And that's one thing I forgot to mention about Poitras as well, is that that kid will outwork anybody. Um, but it's um, it's good to see that they got these guys who are really willing to put in the work and be the best that they can be. I watched some interviews on this kid too. And uh, it's funny. He actually compares himself to a Nicholas Backstrom. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I agree with him on that, but um, hey, shoot for the stars, kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, good stuff on Cole Spicer, Kevin. Thank you very much. Um, the next one in the fourth round was the Bruins' original 119 pick, and they went for another center. So it's apparent that this center position uh, needs to be restocked, and I think the Boston Bruins I went at it hard to uh, identify that. The, these folks, these moves in these centers are just for development purposes. Nobody's going to crack the NHL in the first year. These are just all future pieces that they need to need to work on and 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 help grow into professionals. Uh, so it's important to, to get that pipeline built with another core of strong uh, players up the middle. But they did select center Don's uh, Lock Mellis. Lock He <laughs> is six. Yeah, he's six oh, <laughs> one hundred seventy five pounds. He shoots left. He's a Latvian native. Uh, the 18-year-old played uh, for several levels of the Lulia HF organization, but stood out at the J20 national level, posting 
18 goals, 16 assists, and 34 points in 44 games. Lockmelis is under contract with the Lulia Club for the 22-23 season, so future development in his own country, and then we'll kind of gauge where he's going to go from there, if he signs another deal or not, or comes to North America and uh, and participates in the um, in the American Hockey League with the Providence Bruins, who knows. Um, our friend Brock Otten from McKean's, he mentions skilled and creative playmaking center, excellent in transition with his agility, Attacks the offensive offensive zone with pace. Needs to develop his off puck play and three zone awareness. Your thoughts on Locke Mellis, Mr. Kevin O'Keefe? I wasn't really able to find a ton on this player, um, but what I did find, it seemed like you know he is a two hundred foot player. He he likes to play a, t- a two way type of game. He's got pretty pretty decent awareness, decent you know to good offensive abilities. Um, but with what I was reading, I mean, with work, he could end up being a solid pick due to his thought process towards the game. Um, it's kind of one of those situations where it's a, I I don't want to say a boom or bust, but maybe he's able to sneak his way into an NHL role. I mean, it's, I don't have a ton on the player. Like I said, I think, uh, what, what Brock had there is, um, definitely great when it comes to this player but i remember telling you before we started this that there was a few players i couldn't really find much on um but i mean it seems like it's a pretty solid pick for you know your 119th pick overall so i'm fine with it we'll see what happens with him third straight center in the row to start the draft gotta Um, hit on one of them right yeah, exactly. Just like 2015, got to hit on one. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, sorry, I brought that up. I know that triggered probably half of Bruins Nation if they're listening. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, with the 132 pick in the fifth round, this was uh, one via trade from the uh, Seattle Kraken. Uh, we went defenseman. We went on the blue line and selected Frederick Brunette. Uh, he is 6'2", he's 185 pounds, he's a left shooting defenseman, Canadian native, 18-year-old, played for the Ramuski Oceanic of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League in 63 games and posted 12 goals, 34 assists, and 46 points. Um, solid year uh, on the blue line. Most likely headed back to Ramuski uh, uh, tw- uh, until his 20-year-old season when he'll be eligible for AHL Providence Bruins. Uh, I couldn't find anything on him on McKean's from my friend Brock Otten and his staff. So I jumped over to the Elite Prospects draft guide, and they mentioned took a big step up this year. Strong offensive upside supported by legitimate playmaking skills, creative in breakouts and entries, uh, solid skating and physical skills. Uh, thoughts on defenseman Frederick Brunette. Kevin O'Keefe. Well, they definitely hit the nail on the head when it comes to his pure, that pure offense that he can bring. Um, He's definitely a pure offensive defenseman and he's all about making a play. He's all about trying to be flashy. Now that's great and all, but this guy definitely would need to be paired with a stay at home defenseman because his, his lack of awareness in his own end is definitely going to make him a liability. Similar to a guy like Tory Krug, um, his defensive game, 
you know, it's definitely lacking. Um, but if his defensive game can get better, he could end up being an extremely good offensive defenseman in the NHL one day. He's a high-risk, um, high-reward type of pick. Um, but where he was picked, uh, 132nd overall, I'm not worried about it, and I think it's a good pick to make when going for a boomer bust, you know, type of type of guy. And that's what I see with this player, a boomer bust type of guy. Nice. I look forward to watching him in the uh, queue next season. Um, and, in you know, it's, it's good to start getting more and more um, picks out of the CHL. I, I, I remember there was a, a couple, a year or two where, the, and it wasn't even related to the pandemic at all, that the, the Bruins weren't picking uh, the Canadians. And, and, you know, it was tough because I didn't, wasn't able to watch the CHL live package uh, for, uh, you know, in the couple of leagues. But lately, they have been selecting uh, from from players uh, up north, and it's good to get that you know diversify your you know your prospects from all over the world and kind of grab one from each area if you can. Yep. All right. Uh, moving on to the sixth round with a one hundred and eighty third pick, they went goaltender, and they got Reed Dick, and and we actually talked about this. Um, uh, with uh, Dom Tiano and and how well Reed did uh, recently, but he's six four. He's one hundred ninety four pounds. Catches left. He's a Canadian native. Uh, the eighteen year old played for the Swift Current Broncos of the WHL last season, appearing in twenty three games. And I know these numbers are not going to blow anybody away, but it's just a draft pick. It's a late draft pick. It's a, a, a low risk, possible high reward. But he appeared in 23 games and had a record of 6-12-1 with a 4.26 goals against average and a .884 save percentage. Brock Otten mentions uh, last season he was wildly inconsistent, needs to work on rebound control and positioning, a solid combination of athleticism, size, and competitiveness, uh, so- Solid movements post-to-post and play-tracking awareness. And uh, um, great showing at the 2022 CHL Top Prospects game where we got the uh, idea of uh, how good this goaltender can be because uh, he really put that team on his back and, and really showed the scouts in that tournament that he can uh, he could be somebody that's going to be a project for an NHL team when selected. And here we are, the Boston Bruins have a goaltender. And I had a feeling, I had a feeling they were going to select the goaltender. This is not the goaltender I thought. I, I was looking at Adam Hauser out of the WHL Winnipeg Ice when he had a 34-4 and record. And, you know, the, the record and his uh, his two-point uh, goals against and his uh, 9-13 save percentage was way more than more attractive than Reed Dick. So, um Thoughts on um, the goaltender, Reed Dick, and and already getting uh, names around the uh, the Boston Bruins fan base with that last name. Well, I'll start off by saying let the dick jokes begin. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one podcast that we know is going to have a field day with this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And one person in particular. But um, to me, it seems like he's mentally good. Like he's, he gets it, he, you know, his mentality is good. Um, 
from what I read, he seems like he may be a bit squirrely in the paint, similar to one of our favorite guys back in the day, Timmy Thomas, a little squirrely. Uh, but he has a really good glove hand is what I've read about him. He's got a good glove. He's got that down pack. Um, I don't really have much more to say about the pick. Like you said, it's a project type of pick. Either he's going to get it or he's not. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I don't want to say boom or bust again, but, I mean, he could be something or he's just nothing. But with the 183rd overall pick, what are you expecting? I mean, it's 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 a good pick to do right yeah. there. That's, yep. that's all I got on that one. And it's just and it's just important to get another goaltender in the works. I know that several people have fought me on this um, many times, uh, talking about the draft and in leading up to the draft. I said that the Boston Bruins should pick a goaltender, and well, and and the, the NHL blinders are always on with certain people. They're always like, "Well, we have Jeremy Swayman for a long time. We have Allmark for another th- uh, four, three or four years. Um, we have." Kaiser, we have Brandon Bussey, you know, and but if you look at the depth, get out of the NHL and look at the AHL and below, you have Kyle Kaiser who just signed, and we forgot to mention that he re-signed to a one-year deal. Um, Brandon Bussey was already signed to a one-year deal, so that's your tandem for the Providence Bruins next season. I do not believe that Troy Grosnick is coming back because. He wants a three-year, multi-year deal and so on, and, and the Bruins can't do that because that's also capital money, if I'm not mistaken. A veteran at his age, he's, thir- he's going to be 33. So if I'm not mistaken, his two-way deal is capable, regardless if he's at the NHL level or not. I could be wrong. This is why I wish Don was around for that. But um, you just need you need the depth. You have Phillips Vedebeck that's going to Providence uh, College this coming season, and you know, we don't, I really don't know the projection for him right now. So I think this is somebody that um, um, Bob Asenza and, and Mike Dunham can really mold and have time to uh, get involved. Uh, I know he's going to be on the West Coast and so on, but the Boston Bruins have fantastic West Coast scouts, as Dom Tiano has alluded to several podcasts ago. So there's going to be somebody out there working with him and so on. I just think this is going to be something good to have in the fold. And even if it's not, even if the kid doesn't make it to the NHL, you still need sustainability at your minor pro level. I mean, he could still go to the East Coast League uh, with Maine, and he could definitely be with Providence in the near future. So it's not the end-all, be-all. Uh, I know when somebody, when teams select a goaltender this late, they, you know, you, some folks are always going to bitch that you should have picked somebody else. But I think this is a decent pick just for, just for the pure fact that he can be taught you know, he can, he can be, you know, shown the way to go by certain people of the Boston Bruins uh, um, development team. So, Mark, though, don't you know that every single pick that a GM makes has to hit and be an NHL superstar or else it's just I know. a bad pick? You know that, right? Bust City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to the seventh round with a 200th pick, the Boston Bruins select defenseman. This is another one. Jackson Edward. And fans have already gone crazy about this. I'm sure Jack Edwards from the Nesson crew has already done several bong hits uh, talking about this guy's name. But Jackson is a 6'2", 194-pound left-shooting defenseman. 
and he's a Canadian native. Eight, the 18-year-old played in 54 games for the London Knights of the OHL and only had six assists. Uh, the, the 2022 Elite Prospects Draft Guide mentions physical style leaps out immediately. Good puck control and solid passing. Doesn't mess around on breakouts. Just a couple notes that I have on the seventh round selection. I'm not sure how much homework you got to get involved in on this particular pick, but let's hear it, Mr. Kevin O'Keefe. Uh, yeah, my notes reads as this. This guy hits, he hits, and then he does more hitting. This guy just wants to bury people. Um, he really does. And another thing too, is he's a big Bruins fan. Um, he is a big Bruins fan, grew up loving the team, um, big Chara fan. Um, but from what I've really read, I mean, he kind of ditches his defensive responsibilities to take the body. Um, to me, he seems like he could be a liability at the NHL level, but I mean, stuff like that can be coached out of a player. So, I mean, if you do, I mean, because there's proper times to take a hit to, to, you know, bring out a hit and there's proper times to play the body. I mean, there's proper times to use your positioning to, you know, break up plays or, you know, it's just got to find that balance. You can't always be balls. You got like Charlie McAvoy, that guy can murder people and we know it. He should be in jail for some of the stuff he does. Um, <laughs> but he also knows when he needs to play defense um, and not really try to kill people. So if he can find a good happy medium when it comes to his physical play and his defensive play in his own end, you could have something here at the seventh, at the seventh pick. You never know. Yep. I totally agree. Um, Moving on to the next uh, pick in the draft, the Boston Bruins had two picks at the 215th overall. This pick was traded. Uh, this is the second time that the Boston Bruins have done this in consecutive years, and I have no reason why this happens. And again, I wish Dom was on to ask him this question, but uh, this pick was traded to the Los Angeles Kings for the Kings' seventh-round selection in 2023. Any rhyme or reason uh, that you know of that you've heard in your uh, circles about why this pick was traded and why the Boston Bruins have done it two times in a row? The only, the only reason I could see is that they didn't really have anybody that they saw that they were willing to use the pick on. So maybe burn the year and put it on the next one because the 2022 draft was – while not supposed to be a deep draft and, you know, as far as superstars go, there's a lot of good quality NHL talent to be had and found, but maybe they decided let's put this seventh pick onto 2023 where it's an even deeper draft. Maybe we're able to find a gem in that seventh round opposed to this one. I mean, I don't know the exact thinking as you don't as well, but I mean, that would be my guess is yeah, that they I mean, feel more confident in 2023 of making that pick than they do in 2022. That makes total sense. And we've, we've talked to, um, to Brock Otten last week on the, on the program, uh, our pre-draft show. And, uh, you know, I asked him if this, if this upcoming draft was a more of a generational draft and, you know, he kind of, he didn't go, you know, I'm paraphrasing obviously, 
but he didn't go to the extent to say, yes, it is. It, this is like the Crosby draft of 05 or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it is significantly better in talent and deeper in talent. So, um, you know, when I looked at the draft rankings from several different publications, I just don't go to one, uh, you know, McKean's Hockey, which is just amazing. But I also look at others because I like to get other opinions as well. Um, and, you know, that's what everybody's been saying is this is 2023 is just that much more stacked with, you know, more talented players. This particular draft for me, and like I said, in the research of those rankings, very defensive heavy draft for me, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't a lot of forwards that kind of blew me away, but there was some complimentary forwards that got selected that are probably going to make great NHL careers. But next year is the one you really want to hammer out. And I'm not saying tank for Connor Bedard. Correct. <laughs> Correct. But, Even though yeah. that would be fantastic. I mean, I but <clears throat> if they end up getting into that lottery, though, um, say they miss the playoffs, they're in the lottery. I mean, you got that small chance of getting that number one pick if you're in that lottery. And, oh, my God, if the Boston Bruins got that number one pick and got yeah. Connor Bedard, could you imagine Connor Bedard and um, freaking uh, – Oh God, his name is escaping me. Uh, David Pasternak. Oh my God. Yeah. Be a sick team. But to there's watch. a lot of quality centers. There's a lot of yeah. quality centers available um, in this upcoming draft in 2023. So I think this is where the Boston Bruins need to hold on to that first round pick. They need to. Absolutely. All right. Um, I, I don't have anything else uh, to go unless uh, Kevin, do you have anything else? I know your your neighbors are mowing the lawn back there. And we apologize for the for the noise, <laughs> yes. but it is what it is. This is what we do, folks. Yes, you know I didn't expect it. Um, <laughs> you know it, sometimes people just love to do things when I in need to do things. So I know, that's right? just how things go. I've been trying to drown it out by muting when possible uh, yep. when they get closer. But uh, yeah, I don't really have much more. I think um, overall, how do you feel about the twenty twenty two draft um, and how the Boston Bruins have done? Just an initial thought. Well, the the initial thought for me is, you know, they it's almost like a, a coach getting a lineup. You know, you're dealt the cards that you're given. And I think that the Boston Bruins were in that exact like uh, motto. You know, let's 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 evaluate. Let's see what we have and see what we can build on in this draft. Um, you know, we don't know if these, these are going to be NHL stars in the future. These are just projects to start with and then evaluate as you go along year by year. Um, but overall, I did think it was a good draft for the Boston Bruins. I think they really addressed some certain needs, particularly at center, to replenish that that depth up the middle. I mean, you know, that's good to see. Whether it pans out and all of them freaking work, who knows? But you got to start somewhere by creating that depth. And, and if it starts in the NCAA and it starts in the CHL, and you get a couple years out of them, and then after their 20, especially in the uh, CHL, after their 20-year-old uh, year, they can come to the American Hockey League and, and, and get the pro level and really evaluate if you're going to move forward from there. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, they so, use their best picks on centers. Yeah, And um, I think that was the proper thing to do here. Yep. So – with that being said, I think um, uh, that was a fun discussion, a fun talk, a fun couple of days about the draft. I th think it was important for us to get together uh, immediately after and talk about these these prospects and so on. Uh, 
we are going to be getting some of these prospects on the podcast. So stay tuned for that later on. Uh, we're all doing our due diligence to make contacts uh, with uh, players, agents, and uh, Bruins PR to get some uh, some more stuff um, uh, this summer for content and, and getting folks to know the personalities, the character that these uh, prospects have and what the Boston Bruins might have seen in them uh, before they were selected. So we're looking forward to that type of content. We're really trying to build the program up. Obviously, trying to build this sports media company up. And you're well, if you're a writer, you're always welcome to reach out to Black and Gold Productions LLC at gmail.com and send me an email if you want to join the team. Or if you or family members or your friends want to start a Boston Bruins related pod- podcast and you can you can record weekly, we welcome that too. We have a, a, a BNG podcast network. We're always looking for new shows. We have a, a few fantastic programs. Uh, already installed, uh, Holtz on Hockey, the Short Chef Pod, uh, Lindroth Hockey Podcast. All those guys are really good. We've got a new program coming in in the next week, so I'm excited about that. So uh, please reach out if you want to start a podcast because we want to grow this uh, content train as much as possible, and, and it's important to have the the uh, the views and opinions of the fans uh, you know, to, to, to really express how they feel about this. And please do it in a in a kind manner. I mean, you could be frustrated with the team, but you know, let's not go absolutely crazy. <laughs> but with that no being Facebook said, comments. yeah, exactly. Stay off Facebook. Uh, with that being said, uh, this is episode 286 and uh, we will talk next week. Um, hopefully uh, we'll get somebody else on. I do want to have Brock Otten back on from McKean's sometime soon to talk about these six uh, players uh, that we talked about that got selected in this draft. And get a better idea uh, of of how they are and how they're going to develop and where where their upside might be in the future. So we look forward to that. But uh, I also look forward to having Dom on because that that guy rocks a faux hawk like nobody else. Yeah, but he doesn't dye it like he says he's going to. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> With that being said, that's two eighty six, and uh, we'll talk next week. I'm the host, Mark Allred. That's Kevin O'Keefe. We'll talk to you guys. Bruins Hockey Talk next week. Thank you very much. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the weather. And if you're at development camp this upcoming, because it's uh, upcoming week, because it is open to the public, stop by, say hello. And uh, if you want to get interviewed and talk about uh, your thoughts about the Bruins uh, on site, please let me know. I will be there all week. Uh, Ryan Duffy and Mike Sullivan will also be there. We're all going to be credentialed uh, media members for that, for the festivities. And um and uh, we'll talk about everything that, that went on uh, in next week's program, the Black Gold Hockey Podcast. So thank you for the, the listens, the shares, the, the interaction. Keep it coming. We love it. And, uh, and, and that's it. So we'll talk next week, everybody. Please be safe and uh, enjoy this awesome weekend. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, 
and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Mm-hmm.